In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, we gather here this afternoon in your name, and we are asking you to help us stay in the moment here, to be present to you who are present to us always and everywhere and in everything. So we're asking you for the grace to live in the present moment and to appreciate your presence in everyone that we encounter, be it our closest family member or the stranger that we happen to come across on the street. Lord, we ask you to increase our faith. Please give us all a living, active, luminous faith that will help us to faithfully and fervently persevere until we die amid the difficulties and struggles that the faithful fulfillment of your will is going to demand of us. And please grant us the grace of a joyful, unwavering hope that will give us the sureness that only you can give. And give us the grace of a generous, ardent love. Help us, Lord, to know your heart for us and for our brothers and sisters. And Mother Mary, we turn to you once again as we meditate on the wedding at Cana. And we ask you to share with us how you lived this moment in salvation history. Give us new insights, touch our hearts through this encounter with Jesus at Cana. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I thought the wedding at Cana would be a fun meditation to help us continue to reflect on presence because Mary herself was present, but she was also aware of the presence of the couple, the newlywed couple who is in need of help, who is in need of Jesus and his miraculous power. So it's John chapter 2. On the third day, there was a marriage at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the marriage with his disciples. When the wine failed, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, O woman, what have you to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now six stone jars were standing there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the steward of the feast. So they took it. When the steward of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man serves the good wine first, 
And when men have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So again, if you've seen this episode of The Chosen, I think it provides some interesting insights and and images for us. It certainly was a joyous occasion, as all Jewish weddings were, sometimes lasting up to a week. And Jesus chose this instance. Again, he was very intentional about this, to perform his first miracle at a wedding. The divine bridegroom wanting to highlight this beautiful moment of a wedding and the need for more wine to introduce his divine power and his glory to help his disciples believe in him. There's so much here to unpack, but I think it behooves us to just try to follow Mary around the wedding. You know, maybe some of you had a good conversation with the Samaritan woman. Well, now we can have a good conversation with Mary and just ask the Holy Spirit to help you use your imagination to hang out with Mary here at the wedding. And one of the things about presence is being in the present moment and being aware of God's presence in other people. So I wanted to read from 40 weeks again and give us a few things to ask for here very specifically. I believe God is present in each moment and event of my life, and I ask for the grace to awaken, to see and feel where and how he is present, especially in this present moment. The eternal God can only be experienced in the here and now, for everything in the universe is sustained by God's love in the present moment. When I worry about the past or fret about the future, my consciousness of God, of creation, and of my deepest desires is blocked. My challenge is to anchor both heart and mind firmly in the present, in each thought, word, and deed, as the story of my life evolves in each moment in God's presence. So we ask you, Lord, to be present and awaken to every feeling, thought, word, and deed in the present moment. I beg for the grace to wake up to God's presence in every person, experience, and event, good or ill, that I encounter in my day. What a beautiful grace. That's what we ask for. And so we look at Mary at this wedding She had to be excited that Jesus was there. I think it's safe to say that she did not know what was going to unfold that day. But 
She had been prepared for it. She had definitely been prepared for it. Jesus is roughly 30 years old. And she already had to meditate a lot on who he was and his mission. And now she sees this very real need, this rather desperate situation for this newlywed couple. And her heart is moved. Her heart is moved. And she approaches Jesus on behalf of this couple. Presumably the couple had no idea that she was doing this. It doesn't say at all that they approached her or asked her for this favor. But Mary took the initiative. So I think that's a comforting thought. (laughs) Our Blessed Mother is looking out for us. Even when we don't realize it, she's watching out for us. She's attentive. She cares deeply about the things you care about, especially as women, as mothers, as daughters, as sisters, as wives. She cares about you very deeply. And I think she just wants to affirm your femininity this week. She wants to affirm your femininity. For those of you who are mothers, she wants to affirm your motherhood. That it's a good and holy thing and that you're good mothers You've all tried to do your best with the grace of God. And you know, a a part of our sacred story, I love to just think about this too. Yesterday, there were a couple of you who missed this, but so I'll just repeat it briefly, but how many Catholic women are on a five-day retreat today, you know, this week in the world, right? Very few, right? A very, very small percentage. I'm sure it's way less than 1%, right? So we're blessed. We're blessed to be here. And on top of that, Mary sees each and every one of us. And the... The fact that we're here, right? God sees each and every one of us. So the very fact that we're here on this retreat also speaks a lot to the sacredness of your story and God's predilection for you. And no matter what has happened, you know, no matter what you're not very proud of or no matter what, you know, was so painful in your life. Well, look at where you're at right now. You know, you're on retreat. Like God had this moment prepared for you out of love for you to minister to you this week, to serve you this week, to heal you this week, to bless you this week. And and like I'm saying right here, right now, the, the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Mother of God, the Queen of the Universe, wants to affirm your femininity. That you're all beautiful women. 
in God's eyes, in her eyes. As your heavenly mother, she thinks you're all amazing. And she knows that each and every one of you has a particular story with good times and bad times, with sickness and health and richer and poorer. And... But here you are. That's, an, that's, that's my point, that, that here you are on this retreat, this, this little pause, if you will, where you get to you know, slow everything down and, and just be and, and receive. What a contrast, right, to perhaps what we normally do and, and certainly the ways of the world and the speed of the world. It's faster than ever, right? And we're doing something here very countercultural. Thanks be to God, right? You are all rebels with a cause. Being very countercultural this week. That's a beautiful thing. That's beautiful. So, I just think that, again, kind of helps put our lives in perspective. Here we are. Here we are. Think about it. Two years ago, this retreat was canceled, right? Two years ago, this retreat got canceled because of a worldwide pandemic, you know? So... Who could have predicted all that's happened in the last couple of years? Pretty crazy, right? But despite all that, God is still sovereign. He's still on the throne. And, and he gathered all of you together here. His, his special forces. You're his special forces, if you will, you know? And so he wants to just relish this time with you. And Mary is, is going to be here by your side all week long. So Jesus knows what she's asking, and then his comeback is, is very interesting, right? Oh, woman, what have you to do with me? My hour has not yet come. So he's not being disrespectful. He's just highlighting the fact that, okay, all right, mom, <laughs> woman, if, if I do this, the dynamic of our relationship is necessarily going to change drastically. I'm still going to be your son, but now I will be manifesting myself as the Savior, as the new Adam. And so you will necessarily become the new Eve. And at least from a spiritual plain, the dynamic of their relationship was going to change. His public ministry was going to swing into gear, and they weren't going to have a whole lot of time together anymore. So think about that, how hard that must have been for Mary to, to make this request. Because she would have known on some level that, yeah, things are going to be different. That's true. Things are going to be different. For a time. For a time. So maybe talk to Mary about that. Many of you have been living through these changes. Kids leaving the house. 
getting married, having kids of their own. Some, you know, those can be really, maybe even, I don't know, I don't know if anyone's lost a spouse here yet, but, you know, my mom entering widowhood. Yeah, these are, these are really difficult transitions. And so talk to Mary about those. Talk to Mary about those transitions that you're going through, that you've gone through, that you will go through. And she obviously has this, this confidence in God's plan for her and for, for Jesus, for humanity. She was really having to give another yes here, another fiat, uh, let it be done to me. This was another fiat type moment. It's not explicitly expressed here in words, but Jesus was having her pause so that she could reflect and give her yes. And I think that's also relative to our presence, meditation, and, and petition. Every day I think it helps to say yes again. To say yes to God. To say yes to your particular vocation. Say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Let it be done to me according to your word. So talk to Mary about that. Talk to Mary about the daily yes that you have to give. What is, you know, what's in your yes And how has that changed? Are you still renewing your yes? And then Jesus performs the miracle, changing the water into wine. Of course, can believe that he was also thinking about the Eucharist, changing the wine into his blood. So it's foreshadowing that, foreshadowing the Eucharist, which is a kind of marriage banquet of sorts, or at least it foreshadows the marriage feast of the Lamb in heaven. Christopher West likes to, to say that Every sacrament has a conjugal meaning to it. If the conjugal act itself between husband and wife is meant to be sacramental, so every sacrament has some kind of conjugal meaning to it as well, meaning that it brings heaven and earth together. It brings heaven and earth together into a holy communion.
And notice how he saved the best for last. I think that has a kind of redemptive meaning to it as well. Saving the best for last. I invite you to declare in the name of Jesus that the best years of your life are ahead of you. <laughs> Without getting too far ahead of yourself, right? But like, but just that to have real, real hope and a great desire to just keep growing in God's grace and his friendship. And that as he said to Jeremiah, I do have a future full of hope in store for you. For me, it, it helps a lot to go back to Our Lady of Fatima and she said that her immaculate heart would triumph, that there would be this era of peace. So I really believe we're living in prophetic times, difficult times for sure. But that even today, Our Lady is still very active in the world and in the church. And that just like at the wedding when it seemed like it was going to be a disaster. So too, some people might be tempted to look at the world right now and say, oh my gosh, what a disaster. And you know, what's going to happen? Well, I think there's a lot of hope on the horizon that as many you know, signs have pointed to a new Pentecost. So this new wine, if you will. Jesus is saving the best wine for last. So I think God is saving some very special graces for our time, the time that we're living in. Therese even talked about it different Marian apparitions, different saints, mystics, councils, the Second Vatican Council, even John, the, now St. John the 23rd, they, they prayed for a new Pentecost. Which is to say, a new outpouring of the Spirit. A new time, what did John Paul II say? A new springtime of evangelization, right? A new springtime. So maybe you, you would say we're in winter right now before the springtime. So yeah, we got to get through the winter. We got to get through the winter in order to get to the springtime. But I think that's why living in Michigan is good preparation for this. Because <laughs> the winters can tend to drag on, right? In the Midwest. We're hardy folks when it comes to, you know, waiting out the winter and anticipating spring. So we kind of know what that's like. Those people who live in the South, I mean, come on, right? They get a little soft down there, I think. They get comfortable. No, but we have to ask God for that faith and that hope that there is good stuff that he has in store for us.
finish with another reflection from sacred story affirmations on presence. As director of retreats at Georgetown University, I realized how difficult it was for most people to take time away for a silent retreat. The most common excuse not to attend when something like this, Father, I'm not the silent type, so this would not work for me. I soon discovered that the true motivation behind this response was anxiety about what a person might discover in the time of silence. So congratulations to all of you for having the courage to show up and be silent. Most of us can live life on the surface, never having the time to allow our deep thoughts and feelings to arise. We are afraid of what we might discover or we are afraid of what God might ask of us. We must remember that this fear does not come from God. It comes from the enemy of our human nature, Satan. Entering presence necessarily means that we allow the spirit to enter into the depths of our lives, our memories, feelings, and thoughts. It also means we must slow down enough at least once daily to allow the stirrings of our hearts, deepest truths to be revealed. We must resist the fear that keeps us from slowing down and entering into our hearts, that deep place where God meets us. Be not afraid. How often did Jesus say that? Be not afraid. Be not afraid to be silent. Be not afraid to slow down. Pray this to resist the fear that keeps you from entering the depths of your heart's memories, feelings, and thoughts. Pray for a spirit of courage to enter into presence. Pray that the Holy Spirit illuminate all your thoughts, words, and deeds. Awaken to creation, presence, memory, mercy, and eternity. So absolutely, what you've all done is a courageous act just by showing up and by sticking with it. So as a reminder, you have these sheets in your folders inviting you to reflect on, on pleasant and unpleasant memories. I suggested starting with the pleasant, but if unpleasant ones come up, well, you can just jot them down. You don't need to linger there necessarily. But sometimes you might even be surprised about what you remember, pleasant and unpleasant. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed with people and you know they'd be like I haven't thought of that in a long time like I, I, I can't remember the last time I thought about that or remembered that well Holy Spirit must want to tell you something you know or lead you somewhere so just trust it but I, I think it is worthwhile I think it's helpful and you don't even have to finish it this week it could be something that takes you the rest of Lent for example to fill out, to, to pray with. But as I did it for my homework, uh, the Holy Spirit really did speak to me and, and showed me some, some wonderful things, some wonderful truths that I probably don't stop and reflect on enough. You know, like, who do I think I am? Like we were challenged to think at lunchtime by, by Lisa. What do I think about myself? What does God think about me? The good things, right? The good things. And then how do, 
how did I respond and cope and react to the, the unpleasant things? And has there been a pattern there that's perhaps not so healthy or, or helpful or maybe not even sinful per se, right? But just not the truth about who you are and who God is. So I'm going to leave it at that for now.